0: Welcome back to A Little Faith. I'm Matt, and I'm here with Miriam Badger, a midwife, a mother, and an all-around lovely individual. I'm going to have Miriam introduce herself before we get into our conversation. Tell us some things about yourself, Miriam.
1: I'm 44 years old and I have lived most of my life in Ontario. There was a time in my life in my early 20s when I moved to England uh, to pursue uh, my passion for becoming a midwife. So I lived in England for about nine years while I worked and traveled and explored life, (laughs) uh, shared houses with lots of different people and... Yeah, so spent about nine years in England, um, and then returned to Canada and worked here. Has worked here as a midwife, and then Erin and I met um, in two thousand and thirteen through some friends. We've made our lives here for the moment in um, Eastern Ontario.
0: So, uh, so you're a mother. Tell me about that.
1: Our journey to have uh, Maple has been, I guess, sort of a long journey. Um, uh, we started off, like Aaron and I sort of met later in our lives. Um, I was probably about 37 when we met and Aaron's four years younger. When I was about 40, we uh, finally decided to start having children and uh, you know, ran into issues that most 40-year-olds would with infertility. Uh, so then we sort of started, ended up starting down a journey of um, trying to figure that out and so that's, that was probably a, about a two-year process, or a three-year, I guess, until we end, ended up having maple. Yeah, so we started down the journey of um, sort of trying to do things naturally first, like with a natural path, and, um, and mm. then ended up in a place of, you know, getting a referral to Mount Sinai in Toronto, uh, seeing specialists, and wow. um, yeah, so kind of in a place that I didn't think I would find myself in. And then having to make all these decisions, really kind of complex decision-making around uh fertility treatments and you know all the decisions that you would that you get sort of confronted with uh along the, along that journey and really unexpected I guess in some ways on our first try of IVF um the cycle was successful and everything continued as a normal pregnancy so wow yeah which was really amazing so then um at you know uh, 43 years of age I guess I found midwives that I was connected with uh, that I'd known from uh, from my work because that's uh, I also work as a midwife and so then they took me into care and followed through with them and had a really healthy A wonderful pregnancy really, Um, uh, lots of challenges along the way because I ended up needing to, uh, I wasn't able to wear my leg after about 20 weeks so, and I sort of in my mind had thought I'd be able to wear it right up until the end, I don't know how but (laughs) but somehow. (laughs) somehow. Um, yeah. So, and then had a really wonderful birth here, supported by midwives at the, at our house, uh, here. Was, was it in this room? The room yeah, that we're yeah, sitting in right yeah, now? Yeah, it was right, right oh, actually, just right over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was on Thanksgiving day last year at about nine o'clock at night. And, um, mm. and then uh, the midwives sort of tucked me up into bed a couple hours later, and they left, and, and Maple and I, and actually I, my mom and I and Maple shared the bed that night together, and Erin was asleep in another room. And um, <laughs> so my oh. mom and I were just reflecting on that. She was just here until yesterday, and now uh, we all were in the same bed to get Maple and her and I. So that was really lovely. Just uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So then, you know, we spent the, spent the day as a family the next day, and my mom was here because she was here for the birth. and um, had a wonderful day just starting to kind of experience feeding her and um, just this little life in your life <laughs> 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 in a much in a much more real way. Um, and then that evening, um, uh, the midwives uh, came to do a check and, um, and everything seemed fine, but the last sort of check that they did was checking her um, oxygen saturation levels, and they were um, uh, apparent, like, very apparently abnormal. Um, mm. uh, so we ended up heading into uh, Kingston General. I still, you know, it was still sort of in a home birth bliss kind of place. Like, you know, I couldn't kind of get my head around that something was wrong. And uh, so we arrived there and, you know, being in eMERGE for a little while, and uh, they thought it was just their monitors, which we had also kind of thought there was maybe, you know, it was just something set up with our monitors. Um, but after time, it was clear that it wasn't the monitors. It was, there was something more going on. And so um, we went up to the NICU unit, and that's when, when they realized that something was really happening. And, and then the cardiologist, uh, in town was paged in from home, this was probably like 2 in the morning by this point, and, and he diagnosed her with uh, something called transposition of the great arteries. So the two great arteries into, uh, leading into the heart had grown the wrong way around, so uh, without mm. an open heart uh, surgery and being able to switch those vessels around and repairing a hole a septal defect. Um, the arteries, if they remained the way they were, they, she wouldn't survive. Um, she would, you know, eventually die within days of, of being born usually. Oh wow. Yeah. So, um, that surgery has been done since about 1950s with sort of more modern techniques being done in more in sort of the past 30 years. So they've really come a long ways with, with being able to, to, you know, do some of these procedures to be able to um, save you know save children's lives and make their lives purposeful and meaningful yeah yeah
0: so okay I have so many questions um so wait, how old was maple when you were at Kingston General and they had diagnosed it with this like I'm just imagining these like tree roots that have like that are like grown over each other but like the heart like what uh she was just a couple days old
1: or? Oh, she was just 24 hours old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, 24 there, hours old. Yeah. so yeah. there's a little uh, flap that uh, when, when the baby's inside the womb, it is open. And so that it allows for oxygenated blood to get to both sides of the heart yeah. and around the, just before the 24 hour mark or around that time, that duct slowly starts to close off. And so then that was closing off and then her circulatory system hadn't formed in the in the correct way. So then her oxygen levels were decreasing. They were able to fly her to sick kids and do an emergency procedure that uh, tore open that little, um, that flap so that it, it gave her time. Like she, it was three weeks until she actually had her open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. But opening up, the procedure is called a septostomy. So they put a little balloon in and just instead sort of rupture open the um, the flap of, um, tissue, and then they repair that later once they once they actually do the open heart surgery. Yeah,
0: you know a lot about this. <laughs>
1: I, you did, maybe I'm being too technical no, about it. No, it's it. great. Okay. I'm just like I'm learning so much. Uh,
0: okay, so Maple is 24 hours old. You had just given birth to her in this room, um, not that long ago. Like, where where was your head at? So, so I'm imagining that like i've I'm not a father, so I can't speak to this, but I'm imagining exhaustion, I'm imagining like an entire emotional roller coaster for you i mean i' I'm, I'm not gonna keep going because I don't yeah actually know, it's it's um... but like so where where were you, where were you at when you had made it to the hospital and it was like confirmed something was terribly wrong?
1: yeah, just totally, totally taken off guard, totally totally shocked i mean totally i mean exhaustion is yeah i mean um we'd hardly slept as it was i mean i don't think you sleep that much the first night after a baby's born anyways <laughs> usually um um just you're excited and you know and you've just gone through you know quite a exhausting like physio, physiological events so your body is is tired but also wired you know yeah i think i was it was just total disbelief almost that this was happening, like something that I'd learned about as a midwifery student, um, something in a textbook was happening here in real life. It wasn't one of my clients, you know, that I was telling a diagnosis to. It was, or, you know, what the doctors were saying and helping them to understand, it was people saying it to me, you know, and, um, and to Aaron And yeah, so just completely numbing, completely shocking just uh just unable to process very much other than just hearing the words of what the diagnosis was and trying to just keep sort of repeating that and trying to get my head around that this was this was what they were saying was happening to maple. Hmm. Yeah, just a very very unreal experience. You know, over time you realize it is a very real experience. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um,
0: so it was a journey in and of itself to con- to conceive Maple. And then mm-hmm. here you are holding this like very precious little girl in your arms. Where where was faith, where where was faith in that? At that moment when you had had Maple and you were, st- you were at the hospital and they told you what was wrong and you knew exactly what was going on given your professional training.
1: It's a good question because I think you're just wondering what God is doing like what is suddenly happening that you didn't foresee that you couldn't have foreseen. I wouldn't say doubt just total just what is happening like you know um, I guess getting through all the small odds of being able to become pregnant in the first place, like less than 5% and all these small statistics yeah, yeah. that we kind of jump through, you know, and then here we are faced with a very small statistic again of a very rare congenital heart disease just spun out, I guess, you know. I don't think still not confused at that point. I think just still in that initial getting the diagnosis, you're just in, in a state of complete shock. Um, I don't think it's hard to process much else other than that.
0: Was it an immediate connection with God, like, or like was there was there like a, a reach out or an attempt to connect with God in that moment, even if just to pose the question, or did it feel very distant, or did God feel very distant in that moment?
1: No, I wouldn't say he felt distant. I think like having my mom and Aaron there, we were all sort of, you know, um, none of us knew, you know, what to. Um, like you don't really know what the diagnosis means at that point. I mean, you know sort of technically to a small degree, but you don't know what the implications of that are going to mean going forward, even within the next 24 hours. I think that, you know, having my mom and Erin there, and we all, you know, immediately kind of asking God for help, you know, in that situation, and sort of hanging on to each other, all holding the same... Faith and hope that God would spare her. <laughs> the doctor that had diagnosed her did give us hope, like, you know, mm. because um, he had a niece who was in her 20, early 20s who had actually been diagnosed with the same thing at birth. And it was hard in a way to hear, like, that, you know, I knew right away that her condition meant, meant that she would die without, you know, intervention and without surgery. But you know, you don't like to have, have um, him tell us a story of hope so soon after getting the diagnosis was in some ways sort of hard. Like it was, it was hopeful, but it was also hard to know whether that would be Maple, whether she would survive and and go on to lead this fulfilling life, whether that was going to be something that would be for her, that would happen for her. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I don't, I guess, have an expectation of God that everything has to work out just how I want it to be, although even though I, you know, we des- we, you know, like when I've cried out to Him and prayed to Him about things in my life, um, you know, you, you lay your desires in your, you know, and um, to Him, but knowing that it doesn't mean that He has to make things all just happen in the way that you want them to. Happen and work out.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: Not sure I answered your question. Oh yeah, no, it's great. Very roundabout. Way.
0: No, it's good. Uh, <laughs> so it sounds like you have. Ex- it sounds like you're saying that from a place of a familiarity and a personal acquaintance with with that, with knowing that we place things at God's feet, and those things are not always granted um has, has that been yeah, like? A...
1: I think that's true like uh you know I think of like the IVF process um, that was even challenging sort of even with Aaron and I like you know ethically there's a lot of ethical sort of issues and mm, um I can only imagine. <clears throat> you know do you even yeah. start that process to begin with a lot of questions like that you know and then all the little minute decisions that you make along the way um you know, how you, and every person I think would maybe come to a different decision, how they would make those decisions. I guess that we involved God in it right from the beginning and knew that um, it was only Him that that could make anything happen. Um, and whether we were using, you know, advanced techniques in science, um, it's Him that's designed the egg and the sperm in the first place. They're His creation. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I was really rooted in that, I guess, really grounded um, mm. in knowing that that this was, if this was his plan and his will, then that would happen. Mm. Um, and that I could bring faith that like by starting the process that um, that he can do anything. So I had a seed, you know, but I knew that, you know, I could still bring that faith to it, and it and it may not happen because you know, that's not everyone's experience, and it's not everyone's experience who believes in God that that ends up that you just end up with a child. Mm. But I think all these decisions and things that we, and things that we face, we bring our our faith that God is in control, and it's not us. Um,
0: so you were describing like pre-maple all of these like we're laying faith at god's feet if this is going to happen this whole thing is hinged on him which i think is a beautiful idea but now you have a daughter and so what what does having maple do to your faith now thinking back to all of those 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 moments those i'm sure you know sleepless nights or long conversations with god like. How does how does that revamp your faith? Looking back on all of that now.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it um, revamps it, but it it's the only way to go. Like it, it confirms to me that it's the only it's the only way is to is to um, is to involve God in all of these decisions in our lives. You know, maybe it's easy to look back and and like think that now you have faith, you know, and if we, if things had been different anywhere along the line with Mabel, either with conception or, or with her life um, being taken in those early stages, like when we were at the hospital, like, would we, would we still have this faith um, in God? And I, I think that, you know, it was something I thought a lot about in the hospital, because I felt like I was preparing myself for possibly her um, not making it. There was a number of complications that she had post surgery that um, <clears throat> that you know kind of held her life in a balance, mm-hmm. um, and I really felt like I needed to work to do some work there in the hospital whether if she didn't make it, whether I was going to still trust God, you know, and, um, and I, I, I mean, I didn't have to face that in the end, you know, um, in the, in the sense that she hasn't, she didn't die, you know, in that, in, uh, when we were at the hospital. Um, but I, I felt, you know, I, I felt that I I wanted to be sure that I was going to still trust God whatever happened because um because it's his will that's happening and not mine <laughs> you know mm. and um and there was actually a really important video that I watched that was actually done by WCF that um the sheepers um had been a part of and someone had sent it to me at that time when we were in the hospital and and it really encouraged me in in you know, in the belief in resurrection and and mm. thinking about when Jesus was alive on the earth and people coming to him and asking him for to heal their children or to raise their children from the you know, from the dead and or to to heal their illnesses and 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 there were instances where he rose you know and made people alive again that why wouldn't we be able to have that same um same relationship with him where we when he comes back that we can go and ask him mm-hmm. you know and um and that gave me a lot of hope beyond just just um thinking that she of course I wanted her to live why you wouldn't want anything else you know that would be that's was absolutely my prayer that she That she lived but i knew that um that god in his wisdom and actually in his justice um wouldn't necessarily that that wasn't necessarily something that he that he had to do or that was in his plan for us and um and that i had to uh have hope in uh the hope that all of the people in the list of hebrews had that that, you know, they hadn't been given the hope in the lifetime, you know, when they were alive, but that they were waiting for for that hope to be realized and Jesus coming back and raising everyone from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know, that was like a really core like thing that um that helped me through. And I know that there was other people like around us at the time and their their faith was that or their way of expressing That they knew that God was, you know, gonna, that Maple was gonna be okay. And a lot of people expressed that, that she would be okay. And to me, that wasn't, that wasn't helpful. Um, It, I, it was helpful to figure out and wrestle with God and know that, that I was gonna be okay. Like that I was gonna still believe and trust God, whatever happened, whether her life was taken or whether, um, Um, or whether it wasn't, you know, and that, um, I had to kind of work that through, like thinking in the future, um, not just expecting God to do one thing, although I desperately wanted that, you know, with every part of my being, like that was Mm. like absolutely my prayer.
0: So you mentioned that. Uh, Aaron and your mom, like being there earlier, you'd mentioned that Aaron and your mom were there and like there was that faith shared together in that space. And you just described this. uh, I can't even imagine this wrestling, this, this, this over the, in this in KGH, this wrestling over, this is what I want. But if this isn't that case, then, you know, I just want to come out of this trusting you it just it just you, you were surrounded by like I um, mean you were surrounded by people who deeply love you at the front at a frontline level Aaron and your mom and there were other people probably buzzing around at the time too but what you described was very personal and that's kind of what mm-hmm. was, the, was the question was hmm. at the end of the day at this in, in this dark night when you know, Maple's life really felt like it was in the balance. It just sounds like this is something that came down to you and God, at a mm-hmm. really like primal level, a primal conversation of.
1: Yeah, I think that's true because I think everyone was wrestling with it in different ways. Like his parents were there at times. Yeah, um, my mom was there, and everyone was. We were having conversations a lot about God, um, mm. and you know, and what he was doing and what was happening and, you know, how to reconcile these things with him. And, um, and of course, and we were praying, uh, like to all together and, and separately, although, you know, I'd say there was times in the hospital that were, um, really challenging to pray in those, in those personal moments. And to know that other people were praying for you was really a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, But yes, I I think that it was a very deeply, that was my own personal experience of wrestling um, in my own thoughts. Um, And I can remember almost kind of, not I wouldn't say arguing, but just having differences of opinions as to how God was, you know, working. Um, And I think it's more that everyone was, everyone's trying to work it out, you know, everyone's trying to work work through what is happening.
0: So you had you have a daughter, you had a home birth, here with midwives, and you are a midwife? That's mm-hmm. what you alluded to?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I trained um I went over to England to train as a midwife. Um I moved over to England in 1998 and lived there for almost 10 years, so I um uh didn't kind of focus and get my midwifery training right away. I sort of went on different journeys and did different jobs and, um, and then about four years after I was living there I got accepted to a program and did my degree over there and then worked for about two years um, in a hospital over there. Wow. Yeah and then came back um, to Ontario and got my uh, certification to be able to legally work in Canada so that took about a year sort of rough idea like I you have about a 40 caseload of women sort of every 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 12 months um and so you do you know about 40 births of your own and then you'd go out and back up other midwives as well so yeah so a fair number over the last 10 years yeah or 12 years I guess
0: uh how has a decade over a decade of midwifery influenced and colored your faith
1: One thing that's become apparent to me through reading through Hebrews 11 is that in the early verses of that chapter, it talks about a benchmark. Um, If I just read that verse, because it's it's better in that that wording than my own. Okay, yeah. Um, By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And there's a couple other times in that chapter that there's little benchmarks back to this um, concept of you know God being the creator and and I um, I do really feel that that has been a touchstone to my faith that um, and um, the way that midwifery has been wrapped into that is um, observing birth and. So observing this creative, this act of creation, um, and um, and how you know even on a physiological level, like how how that happens, how you know the development of a of a child in the womb, and um, and then coming to full term, and you know, or to term, and and, and being born. And watching that whole process over and over again, um, you know, I've, my, my favorite part I've always sort of thought about midwifery is that actual birth event. And, um, you know, as a midwife in Ontario, like you, we obviously care for women through all those different stages. But to be able to be there at the actual birth is, um, to me, one of my favorite parts and, um you know when um and and the baby actually being born you know i've never lost the emotion, emotional connection you know with that event happening and um and i think it's you know i in my you know struggling with my faith and like coming to understand god and um and and, and understanding the faith that is involved in believing that He created uh, the whole universe and everything in it, and those early chapters in Genesis, um, it does take a lot of faith to 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 believe that God, the way that God said it happened that way. And when a new life is born, it also, you know, it reaffirms to me like that whole process, that whole plan. Um. So it's it's really deepened, um. Uh, deepened that touchstone of going back to creation, of going back to um, the key elements of our faith, even though we might all be challenged in different ways. And the chapter in Hebrews really kind of helps us to understand that everyone goes through different challenges, and um. But it produces the same. Um, produces the same substance, this uh, faith, and but we all share in common um, the faith, you know, um, or the trying to understand how God, you know, the the belief that God created um, the earth, how He did, how He says in Genesis, and and um, and you know, I've over time have. Um, I think to really have that belief that God did that is also to understand to read things and understand the theory of evolution <laughs> you know and to mm. contrast and to um and to keep um uh to keep reaffirming not just in a blind way but also you know um through your own personal experience and um and to contrast um different theories that are out there with with what you know god says happened and it it does take faith to to believe to believe in that
0: yeah and and for you so going back to this witnessing like over 100 hundreds of births and uh that with each birth you're like i'm trying to put it in your words you are like each birth is reaffirming of like creation as a powerful thing. Like, I mean, birth is like having a child and birth is a very like creating thing. And you, you just mentioned that moment of like when you're delivering a baby or you're holding a baby for the first time, like that it harkens back and like grounds you back to the, the very basic elements of like God being a. Creator, like, is that kind of what you were saying? Yeah,
1: and the truth of how um, the truth of what he says, um, like what he says to us in Genesis, of of he is the one who's created the world. There isn't there isn't another theory out there. Like, there, his it's it's even though it might be hard for us to understand how that actually happened. Mm. Um, because Genesis um, only gives us so many details, you know, but he's given us enough details to then make those connections in our lives um, mm. with what we see in creation mm. um, to either decide that, um, that we do believe what he said or we don't, you know, and it's a, uh, um, I think that it's not a necessarily a one-time thing either. It's something to be, I, I have found it to be a touch tone that um, when I've had challenges, like I know that Erin and I, like even after Maple, like in this last year, we often, I mean, we live in a, in, a, in a place where we're on a lake and in the woods. And so we have nature all around us, but we often, our conversation often comes back to, Um, God's creation like um, and we're often referring back to that in our conversations I think to make sense of our of our the hard things that we've gone through in our lives because um, to me the connection um, is that there's it's not random there's purpose Mm -hmm. and so for God to put that in the beginning of Hebrews and then go on to show all these different things that have happened in people's lives it's because there it's not that these things have been random and that um it's that we can make sense and that there's purpose to these things that happen and it's because we can go all the way back to Genesis and there's and there's this big plan that mm. God has laid out and and he wants us to hold on to that and he wants that to be a core part of our faith